Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Ethan Webb, and he is the co-founder and CEO of MindSmith, which is an AI-powered micro-learning platform and authoring tool. But Ethan, would you please do a better job of introducing yourself and your business? Yeah, I think you kind of got the basics there. Like you said, I, I'm a co-founder CEO. We have two other co-founders at MindSmith. Zach Allen, he is our software engineer. And Christy Graves, she's our designer. Like you said, we started MindSmith. It's just like you mentioned, a micro-learning AI-powered platform. We weren't always an AI-powered micro-learning platform. We've kind of gone through lots of iterations, even though we've only been a company for a few months. So we started building in, in September of 2022, so last year. And we've kind of just been building ever since. We've been trying to do our best to get a really great grasp on the instructional design and e-learning industry, talk to lots of experts, lots of people within the industry, our co-founder, Zach Allen, had been an instructional designer for a few years. So he's been in the space. And it's just been a blast like growing. I, I was not in the L&D community prior to starting MindSmith. I, I did have a passion for pedagogy and for education. I mean, my mom's an educator. She's a Spanish teacher. Her mom was also a Spanish teacher. And my mom has three sisters who are all teachers. So I've been around teaching and education for a long time. I've read some work by like Paulo Freire and just really interested in, in this space. So when Zach approached me with kind of the concept for e-learning for the average person, I was really excited about it. And we've kind of just been building and growing and iterating ever since. Okay. And so people were like, what do you mean? It's an AI powered micro learning. So some people are with it, you know, and they're they're seeing these new AI tools come out like chat GPT and all the other things that probably run on a similar AI. And so what does it mean to be an AI powered micro learning? That's a great question. Yeah. So we're primarily a generative AI micro learning platform. So there are lots of different types of AI. We're built off of GPT-3, which is kind of the same AI that chat GPT is built off of kind of the more popular AI right now. People love talking about it because lots of people have been playing around with it. And so we allow our users to, currently our functionality allows them to generate a lesson from a lesson title. So what the current flow is that you as a user would insert a title of a lesson, something you're interested in. I was an economics major, so I'm interested in the law of supply and demand, for example. I put that as the title. We generate an outline of subtitles, and then under subtitles, we have context or descriptions. And so that context or description is where you as a user can input your sort of keywords that you would use, sort of like ChatGPT. So you could say, like, explain the factors that would shift a supply curve in the narrative of a young girl building a lemonade stand or something like that. Or you could say, explain to the level of a fifth grader, like all sorts of different obviously opportunities, you know, to, to build within that context. And then we will generate a course based off of that context. We're also building out some really cool functionality with the AI 
that allows our users to upload their static courses that they've already done. So things like PDFs and PowerPoint presentations. And then we'll we'll generate lesson titles from there. So break it up into, you know, maybe 10 different micro lessons. And then from those titles, you can generate your courses using the material that's within your, your static lessons. And then, of course, like the possibilities of AI and generative AI in the future are very, very exciting. So things like like adaptive lessons that change to the needs of the learner are, you know, like solved kind of a fundamental trade off within like the education, educational industry, right? Between individualized learning and scaling learning, like you can scale and individualize a lesson at the same time, which to us is very, very exciting. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that use case either. That's <laughs> fascinating. So have you seen any of the adaptive things? Like, does it recognize that people are answering like assessment questions? Like they keep answering the same one wrong. And so it rewords it or what What does that look, what does that look like? <laughs> I mean, we haven't built built that out yet. Oh, like I said, like a feature. <laughs> Like a, right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I can't give specifics on like how it would function, but yeah, somehow it would, it would analyze gaps in knowledge for the learner and you can adapt the lesson to those needs or using like the, like chat GPT was built as a chat function. So the users can ask questions about certain concepts and it will give sort of bespoke feedback to their needs. And so there are lots of opportunities to use this sort of generative artificial intelligence. If I was to sum it up, I would say, so basically you've built an e-learning wish genie, but like the genie story, you have to be <laughs> careful about what kind of wishes you make. Yes. Prompts and in your scripts, right? So, yes. So that you get your wish fulfilled in a way that doesn't trick you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also like, it's a genie that will sometimes not give you exactly what you want or <laughs> will give you something that is wrong. <laughs> so like, you do have to be careful, right? Like with generative AI, I think that's an important conversation to have. And people have talked about it just all over any article you read. It's like, AI is a tool. <laughs> it is not like the panacea of information and expertise like you still have to run courses by a subject matter expert and you as an instructional designer still have to tweak the lessons and edit them so it is to learning best practices and fits the needs of of your learners but we can automate a lot of the functions for instructional designers so that they can take sort of their their role as a, a macro organizer rather than a like on the ground, like boots on the ground content writer. So when you use MindSmith, do you, is it, is it just for scripting and outlining or does it also produce something that you can deliver to a learner or? Yeah. So you could deliver a, a, an AI generated lesson to the learner. So it, it generates cards that teach about the concept and it generates quiz cards and it generates subdivider cards. And then in the future, we'll, you know, generate like add GIFs with the AI and add images. Well, you can like Dolly and uh, Midjourney and some of these, you can like generate images, which is really exciting. So you could off the shelf, theoretically, but you sh like, <laughs> again, you should read it. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't like we do not advise that anyone just generates a lesson, doesn't read it and ships it out because 
like ChatGPT could get things wrong and it has gotten things wrong. And we are, we do like have our own form of like, we don't just like take content from ChatGPT and put it into MindSmith. We do, we have like various um, stages of generation that change the way that content is presented. So it, it will be better and it will lie less and will allow you to like put in your sources and you can pull information from a website or whatever, but you should still read it <laughs> before you send it out. Well, it gets, it gets rid of that blank page right. that everyone starts with and yeah. stare at. It's or, intimidating. Or even like you said, you gave that example of put it in a narrative of a little girl running a lemonade stand. And there are so many times where we know that scenarios and case studies and narrative and fantasy all add to the engagement of our learners. And so, but we're like, but I'm not a, but I'm not a storytelling writer. And so just to have something to crib off of or to go, to go by, to get you started is pretty powerful. And that's, yeah. Yeah, and that's why why, why we initially built the AI functionality is like to sort of overcome this writer's block or this intimidation of a blank canvas because we want our platform to be accessible to the average person. We want it to be used by instructional designers and we're starting in that space, instructional designers and learning and development people because they're very, they're very good at adopting new tools. But we want to be so intuitive and easy to use that like, if a manager, a regular manager at a company wants to, like, let's say an engineering manager wants to produce a lesson on a very, like, specific upskilling, like a skill that they want their, you know, engineers to have, then they don't have to request it from their, you know, like, learning and development team and then wait, you know, and sometimes they have to wait for other people to request it, you know, within the company, it's low priority, sometimes it'll take months and months to come back, and can also be very expensive. So like, if your average person can just build a, a training, because right now, they're, what tools do they use? It's PowerPoint, like, <laughs> yeah, PowerPoint is so, so bad for learning like so bad for retention but if you could like have some like a tool for e-learning for just the average person then it really is very exciting for the future of e-learning and instructional design i think so walk me through what this looks like so we've kind of talked about how you put in the prompts but if we're going to give it to managers that are not familiar with instructional best practice right. are they guided through mindsmith okay so you've created your the topic that you want. Now you have an outline, then you're adding context. Are you then prompting them? Okay, what's the practice opportunities? What are their applications? How are they going to integrate it? Is there follow-up quizzes after the lesson is over? You know, like those kinds of things. You think that that'll probably be built, be built in the MindSmith at some point, or is it already there? Or what do you think? Yeah, definitely as we grow. I mean, like I said, we're Right now, we're reaching out to instructional designers and LD professionals. And so they kind of have these teaching best practices already built into what they do. But yeah, definitely as we grow and as we kind of reach out to, to other parts of organizations, we'll build in features for them that guide them through that process. Or we'll just invite them to run it past their instructional designers that they have on staff. And so it just sort of like they are the subject matter expert. And so they can sort of like understand what's right and what's wrong, but they're not experts in learning theory 
and learning best practices. And so they do need to, yeah, like make sure that they're following those. <laughs> yeah, that structure. So I bet it's in the hands of people, even though you just started, right? Do you just start? You're just, it's such a baby thing, yeah. but already you already have clients, you already have customers, you already have instructional designers in there. And so what do you see them? What do you see them doing? What what have they said? What's like their feedback? Has it like reduced oh, yeah. the time? I want to I want to know all the things. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. We started out in higher ed, actually. So we were interested in being kind of a tool for teachers and for higher ed instructional designers. And so a lot of our current like paid users are at universities. And for them, they're really interested in taking their static courses and turning them into like courses because teachers have already done all of that work and they have loads and loads of PDFs and PowerPoint presentations that they're excited to turn into e-learning courses. So they're really excited about that, but they are using the AI to like generate new content and generate new lessons. So we have like the engineer, like an engineering department is kind of some of our biggest clients. Like we do engineering and physics was our initial like outreach and so, yeah, they're like developing lessons on like how to like early. One of the engineering departments that we work with is kind of the first in the nation to recruit from people outside of sort of the STEM, like STEM focused. So they're recruiting people from like different backgrounds that aren't STEM. And so they have to teach their students like basic algebra when they first come into the program. So they're using, yeah, they're using our program, like they're using MindSmith to like ship out lessons to, to their like early students. We also have some clients that are sort of like the deskless workers. So you probably already know this, but one of the biggest appeals of micro learning, at least in the way that we're doing it, is that it's mobile first. And so it integrates really well with the workflows of, of the deskless worker. So like a local, a really big thing, we're based in Utah. So a really big thing is like cookie franchises. I don't know if you've seen those. They've started, it's kind of a fad right now. They, they pop up. And so like, they have like a the lot Crumble of like Gen Z. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, okay, like Crumble okay, cookies. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of a started in Utah. And so it's a really big thing out here. And so like a lot of their workers are like these sort of frontline, like Gen Zers. Like they don't have time to sit down and do a 45 minute training. Like they no. need a 10 minute training that they could do on their phone when they have some downtime. And so like deskless workers are kind of a big focus for us as well. And so their users are sort of inputting their SOPs, their like standard operating procedures, and then we're generating lessons from those. Oh, nice. So that's one way that you are solving it. What about the learners who are taking these micro learning that's generated by AI? What, what, what have you heard from them? Yeah, so they really like, of course, that it's mobile first. Um, yeah. That's a really big thing, not only for the deskless worker, but even like someone that is at a computer regularly and checks their email regularly, like... Being mobile first is super helpful for them because even if they're not at work, like they can do a lesson like on the train. And then second of all, they really like that it's short. So people don't like to take, like I said, 45 minutes to two hours out of the day to do an e-learning course, to be totally honest, like, especially not my generation, like Gen Zers, they just hate that, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's boring, it's long, it's not great for cognitive load. And so being micro is really important. And then of course, like daily follow-ups, we haven't shipped a feature for like drip campaigns yet, 
But that's like something that both our learners and our teachers are really excited about. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because you're only going to remember so much, even if it's micro learning, you've got to do some space practice. So when when they are generating in MindSmith, you know, they're using the tools to help them generate this micro learning. Does it put it in a format that is suitable for micro learning or are you relying on the instructional designer to do that or yeah so we are working on fine-tuning the actual model that's sort of our next our our like immediate next step yeah right now it will generate it'll generate like teaching cards and we've taught it to limit the words to be very concise for each of the topics that it teaches we've also taught it to generate quiz questions but it will generate kind of a lot of quiz questions right now (laughs) (laughs) so it'll be like a teaching card, then a quiz question, then a teaching card, then a quiz question. And so our, our learners can kind of use that as a template to sort of edit and, and like create a beautiful course that follows teaching best practices. The next, so there are two different ways to sort of train an AI model. One is to just sort of edit the algorithm and change the generative steps. And the other is to give it tons of examples. And so to really get a great course that follows teaching best practices, we would need to feed it tons of examples. And so that's what that's what we're working on right now uh, is to really fine tune it so that it's like it is teaching in an effective way. Oh, my gosh, it's so cool to have started like in September. And it's just I mean, AI just seems to be just blowing up as far as like its reach as far as the just the yeah. content person talking about it and here you are sort of at the beginning of that i don't know what would you call it like a a craze or yeah hopefully not a fad but yeah like a like i would say a fundamental shift in technology and technological innovation and so being sort of a first mover in that step i mean we've already released four different versions of our ai's and we've iterated and changed it and we launched our AI at the beginning of January. Like it has been such a wild ride in this last month. And we're all full-time students as well. So it's been it's been very fun and exciting. That's incredible. Certainly. You're still a student? I am. Yeah. I actually graduate at the end of this semester. <laughs> so, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're I was gonna say you're you're too busy to keep being a student. So what are you graduating with? Like a master's degree or no, actually undergrad. Yeah. Well, you're just now graduating undergrad? Yeah, I took a few gap years, but yeah. And then our other people are graduating soon. So Oh my gosh, that's so that's, that's that's inspiring. I love that. All right. And so what about some of these other things that people are using? I see that yours is kind of it's a special robot in the sense that <laughs> it's been trained specifically for instructional design and e-learning and micro learning. So what are some of the things that you would tell to people who want to use some of these other outside tools? I just, I might as well treat you like the expert in AI. So. Yeah. So we, like I said, we use sort of these outside tools. So like we're built on top of the same AI as chat GPT. And so you can sort of use ChatGPT. It'll just be kind of clunky and you'll have to do a lot of copy and paste and it won't give you really, it won't be concise unless you tell it to and it can, it'll just longer to generate. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it really, we just want to make it more efficient and easier for our instructional designers. 
And so you said that you're going to add some more AI in the future where you can do yeah. some mid journey where you can create images from a prompt. Can you actually just take a regular image and put it in MindSmith? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we integrate with Unsplash and Giphy. And then you can also upload images directly from your computer. Yeah. So super easy. But in the future, yeah, like that's a definitely a feature that we'll build down the road is like, like just generate corporatized, you know, conversation of two people chatting using Dolly or Midjourney or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, or, or probably before that, we'll just, because we integrate with Splashy and Giphy, just upload Giphy GIFs, you know, and just have the AI pick a Giphy GIF that matches the description, you know, like that's pretty easy. So yeah, down the road. Yeah. There are lots of other like AI features and, like the future of AI in education. That's very exciting. Okay. So I think we've talked about it and around it, but I might, I might as well just go ahead and ask the question that you kind of see. And that is, will this replace instructional designers? No, obviously not. <laughs> I don't know. I People that are scared, like that it's going to replace their job. It's like, you're not really an instructional designer then, to be honest. Like, if you are an instructional designer and your whole thing is just like knowing how to use tools or like writing content, <laughs> then like you're probably not situated well as a like professional instructional designer. And so I think it will kind of change the instructional design landscape and change the functions of an instructional designer's job. I think they will become much more high level thinkers and like designers rather than like content creators. One example that I like, like to use is like, there's a difference between a photographer that's like good at framing a photo and or like placing people in the right place and a photographer that just knows how to use Adobe, right? We are changing the instructional design landscape so that instructional designers will be much more like the perfect, like the photographer that has to know about photography rather than someone that happens to learn a tool. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe maybe that's offensive to some people, but like I I really think that it will elevate the role of an instructional designer if anything else. Well, and just what to your point about the amount of time that could be saved. Right. Because yeah. so I mean, yes, a lot of time is spent in analysis, but then after that, it's design and development and it is all of the well, for me, it's tedious. I know other people like love writing, but right. the tedious writing of the <laughs> instruction and and organizing it and coming up with the application. And if you could just have, it's basically like getting a virtual assistant right. to help you do the research, which in my role in business now, I kind of have that, right? And so it's like giving people in, in an individual contributor role as an instructional designer, their own assistant. That's, right. Yeah. And so that yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I do want to add a little bit as well. I think that also sort of like what we call, at least on our team, democratizing instructional design. So making it more available to sort of the average person, like a, an average manager or whatever. I think that that also changes the landscape of instructional design because it brings more people to the table. I think that right now, L&D departments can be kind of siloed 
just because like the tools that they use are very complex and are very specialized and they sort of are kind of doing their own thing and no one really like wants to mess with them. But I think that if everyone is like collectively working on a project, because we're also collaborative, like you can very easily add collaborators to a project and sort of work on the project in real time. And so like, it, it, like if the tool is intuitive that everyone can sign up, sort of add to and edit and change and help out, then like it brings those two groups of people together in like a, a really meaningful way, I think. And, and in that way also elevates like learning and development and instructional design. That's a great point too, Ethan, just like you said, how it's collaborative. And I like how it kind of bridges between a subject matter expert and an instructional right. designer because without tools like these, what it usually looks like is we're chasing subject matter experts. We're begging for their content. Right. We have to distill it. We got to figure it out. And then we got to chase them down to get feedback. And, and on and on. Right. So they feel like they are not just the person that we chase, but they are, they also own the project in right. uh, being a direct contributor. I think that could even help that relationship and that project. Precisely. Yeah. So you work with them rather than for them, right? Yeah. It's like kind of the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, so I'm going to have to, I mean, we could talk about it later, but maybe not on podcast, but like, you've got to come show that, of course, is CAG members, like the power of MindSmith and using AI yeah. and that kind of stuff. But what are some of the other things that you've seen in the AI space that you want to kind of pique people's interest into other tools that are out there or other interesting ways to use this technology? I don't know if you, I'm sure you've nerded out on it. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of tools popping up right now. Yeah. Like a million and a half tools that you can look for. One of the first things I'll say is, is actually still on MindSmith. Okay. And that is that... I think it'll be exciting for our users to learn which prompts give them what they want. And so you'll sort of develop your own strategy for inputting prompts that make your lessons like beautiful and interesting and use the AI to help you the most. Because if you generate like a generic lesson just using a title and don't change any of the context, it'll give you like a very generic thing, but you can give very specific and pull content from very specific places, which is kind of exciting. As far as like other tools, I am excited about AI in sort of like the video generation space. I think that that's really cool. Like we don't do much like video generation at all, or we don't do image generation yet, but like a big portion of instructional design is, is doing videos and sort of helping your learners learn in that way. And so I think that could really save a lot of time as well. And I know some people have talked about like various tools out there to, to do video um, creation using artificial intelligence. I think it, it hasn't hit. It's like day in the sun yet. There have been some like initial attempts and there's some cool things happening, but you can't like generate an entire teaching course on <laughs> using video. I mean, there are like, you can have like a person talking, like a single person talking. Yeah, like synthesia whatever yeah 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 you, yeah just a single person teaching or whatever but they're like, robot to have interaction yeah and they're kind of robot-y ai -y, yeah weird voices 
but to have like people interacting and doing like simulations and things like that, I think is really exciting. We also talked a little bit, adaptive learning is a really exciting application of, of AI going forward in the learning space for sure. Yeah, those those two things are very exciting. And so the other thing that I was just thinking about, Ethan, is that sometimes people don't go and play with these tools because they're not, they might feel a little bit intimidated. And I just wonder if you could just kind of describe how easy it is to write a prompt. Yeah. I went and did it and I just I just randomly put words in there and that was enough to generate something very close to what I was looking for. So just kind of you know, lower that bar for them, show them that it's not intimidating. How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will just start by saying that like when we started building Mindsmith, it was for teachers and educators who are notoriously bad at adopting new technologies. <laughs> Love all my teachers out there and all of my professors, but they just don't have time to learn new technologies. And so we had to design a tool that was so intuitive and easy to use that anyone could pick it up and start using it and understand how to use it in under five minutes. And so the the UX, and we have one of our co-founders is a user experience designer. And so like we're really focused on design that is intuitive and easy to to use and start picking up as far as like prompts and generation like you said it's it's really super easy for our generation you literally write the title of a lesson so whatever lesson you can think of you want to generate then we generate an outline for you with we also, we also generate some context for you and then you can just edit that as you want like add whatever you want play around with it like have fun. And like some examples of things you can do is just like ask it to give a real world example or ask it to or add like a teaching level. And probably within the next few weeks, we will guide our users a little bit more throughout that process. So we'll say like, like have some optional fields of like what level of learning like are the people at and what it like add some of the context overall for the lesson and things like that to make it yeah even easier for our users when they start out we're just we the description and context editor is we we released it like i said yesterday and so it's kind of still in its like minimum viable product <laughs> stages MVP? Uh, but it's kind of an mvp like kind of bare bones ux style but over the next few weeks we're workshopping that and we'll be sort of releasing just a more intuitive approach to that as well just to make it super easy so really, I mean, really one of the things that you could even just tell them as far as these tools go is you can be as descriptive as you want in your prompt right. and, it's pro- and it's probably better for it, right? They probably, right. oh man, you can just, okay, get here's I. And so whenever you generate the context around the outline, there's a way where they can just put in, okay, I'll provide a real world example related to XYZ at le- learning level or reading level this and could you put your learner profiles in there like some of their yeah preferences yeah in the future that's what we're not right now but in the future that's what we're working on yeah just from the ux perspective and also like a big thing so like i said like the core of our like company is being intuitive and easy to use and having low barriers of entry so like like I said, the next the next big AI feature that we release is to allow our users to upload their PDFs that they've already done. And so if you have done any work on training anyone, you just throw it in there and we'll pull from it. Or 
like currently with the contextualizer, you can pull, you can say pull information from this website. So you could say like teach about the history of Egypt using like the Wikipedia of history of Egypt article, you know, like yeah, you can, yeah, add as much context as you want. And yeah, it's cool. That's very cool. So even a lot of the people that listen to Become an Idol are definitely going to be interested in MindSmith. So where can they find you? It's mindsmith.ai, but are there any other places that you'd want them to connect with you or follow along? Can they go and play with it for free? And Yeah. Yeah. So right now you can build as many lessons as you want for free. You can generate as many as you want for free. We do limit sharing to two lessons on the free tier. So we do have a paid tier. Currently, it's $15 a month. Probably by the time... I don't know when you plan on releasing this, but within the next few weeks, we are upping it a little bit. We'll be at $29 a month. And then we also have an enterprise tier. So if you work for an enterprise and you're interested in like getting your instructional designers or even some of your managers involved, we integrate with LTI, XAPI, SCORM, and all those fun integrations. So yeah. I don't know if you're interested, but we could also do like an affiliate link and just for your listeners, give a, a discount. Oh my gosh. I think they'd love that. Cool. Yeah. So we'll just do, I don't know, five bucks off for all of your listeners, cool. five bucks a month. Just make it easy. Oh my gosh. That'd, um, that'd be awesome. So definitely send me that code later. And in closing, Ethan, I know that you, you come from a different background, but now you're in you're, you've started your own business and you are interfacing so much with instructional designers and your co-founders one. And so since our audience is those who want to become instructional designers, I want to know what is your best and final advice for those who are looking to enter this field? Yeah, it's a great question. Like I said, I am related to a lot of teachers and I know a lot of teachers personally. And many of them are in a similar space where they're interested in entering the instructional design field. And it seems like right now, the best thing to do is to just learn the tools, (laughs) like learn what's out there and the best practices and just go for it. I mean, I don't know. Why not? Like, I was not an expert at instructional design, but over the last six months, I have read a lot and I've learned a lot. And I don't know, I'm still not an instructional designer, but like I have really learned about the instructional design fields and it's exciting. So I'd say go for it. I don't know. <laughs> my my advice is less, because, less specific. <laughs> no, I think that's a good, I think that's great advice because it, you showed an example of exactly what it's like. You, you are, you didn't formally study to become an instructional designer and here you are involved in something that is going to be so important in so many IDs lives. So or I guess their work life, right? And so thank you so much, Ethan. I'm so excited about um, the work that you guys are doing. I am, I just really am thrilled that I got to meet you and talk to you about this. And I look forward to watching the multiple iterations that keep going, coming out as you guys grow. And so thank you for coming and being on Become an Idol. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Robin. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, 
and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses. Thank you.